109 years ago, the bishop, I forget which bishop it was at the time, came here and consecrated this church. It's a huge ceremony filled with billowing clouds of incense, smearing of oil all over the, the high altar, all over the walls. There's, there's certain prayers all over the building for the dedication of a church. And the churches are prescribed to celebrate that feast day, that, that memorial, every single year as a high solemn feast for the parish. Uh, usually it's not celebrated because either the priest doesn't know that he's supposed to do that or we don't know what date it actually happened on. It's always hard to find. So we, we recently just found the date. It was, it was 109 years ago, November 9th. I moved it to this Sunday so we could all celebrate it together. I think it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting commemoration because it's the commemoration of a building, what happened to a building. It's almost um, ironic, right? Because the, the readings that we get are Jesus kind of chiding the Jews for overemphasizing the importance of a building. And actually, it's one of the things that the, he got crucified for is because he threatened this building, destroy this building. They're like, oh no, he didn't. We're going we're gonna to kill you. And he's like, yeah, say, that's what I was talking about because this is the true temple. And in fact, that temple in Jerusalem, which is by the way, the third temple in Jerusalem, as this is the third uh, church of this name in Delano. It was the third, uh, the first one was built by Solomon. We heard about that in the first reading. The second one was built uh, and rebuilt in the time of Je- uh, Nehemiah, Ezra. And then the third one was built recently and still in construction by King Herod. And he says that the the temple was just supposed to prepare the way for the Messiah, who's the true temple. But when the Messiah showed up, the true temple, the true presence of Jesus, of God, uh, they crucified him. That That wasn't the right move. And now the temple is definitively destroyed, it was destroyed in 70 AD and has never been rebuilt because it was just a, a preparation. It's good for us too to realize what does this church building exist for? Because one day it'll, it'll turn into dust just like everything else, just like the temple in Jerusalem. But what does it exist for? And that's, that's, the, that's what brings us here today. We heard it in the very opening prayer. Lord, we thank you for this, this temple that you've given us to offer pure worship. That's why we're here. That's why this, this temple exists. As we're celebrating this feast day for us, it's a, good, it's a good opportunity to just assess the spiritual health of the parish, of our community. If you're going to assess the, the physical health of a building, you'd go and you'd look at the foundation and see if there's cracks and you'd look at the tuck pointing and you'd look at the roof and things like this. And when, when you assess the spiritual, um, uh, the spiritual strength or health of a building, we look at the spiritual stones as it were. St. Peter will later actually make this analogy. He says, you, you are this building. You're the stones, precious in God's sight, built on the cornerstone who is Christ himself being built up into a spiritual building to offer spiritual sacrifice. There we have it again. So 
whenever priests get together and they're talking, hey, how's your parish? You know, there's always certain indicators that, the, that we'll use to like, yeah, our parish is doing really well because of X or we're not doing so well because of Y. And so I just wanted to go over some of those as kind of a, uh, an examination, a corporate examination of our spiritual, our spiritual health. One is always going to be tithing, right? What's the financial situation of your parish? Uh, pastors are always, yeah, you know, we're, we're under budget, we're not doing well, or hey, you know, our people have really been stepping up, we're, we're, adding, we're adding, we're doing a construction project, we're adding employees. Um, I would say in this respect, we're, you can see the, uh, the annual report we published. We're very, very average, which by the way, average in this situation, we're, we're normal, but normal in this situation is not, not great. So our, our average tithe is like 1.6% of our, our income. Um, and uh, where, I would, where I would say that we do well at is when there's a special project, like last year when we had to raise money for uh, the utility costs, we rose to that occasion. Um, but as far as just regular uh, giving, we're, we're not... We're not excellent. Um, another, another one that uh, we, we look, we'd look to is vocations. Where, where do, we, do we have vocations coming out of our parish? If you see the vocations poster out in the, in the narthex, you see all the men who are in seminary right now, and under their name is the parish that they're from. And you notice several, several parishes that always have one or two or even three guys in seminary. Um, that's, a, that's a sign of health. There's something going on in that parish that's fostering vocations. We haven't had a vocation here in 20 years. That's not, that's not a great sign of health. Now, I know part of it is like, well, what do you want me to do, Father? I don't have any, I don't have any sons of that age. Uh, you know, I think, I think, though, it's not just what am I doing with my children, but how are we as a whole community invested in vocations, praying for vocations, encouraging and fostering vocations to the priesthood, to the religious life. And this is something that, just as I preached about last week, to, to really take to heart. Uh, another area where we can, we can assess uh, our, our health is conversions. How many, how many people are we bringing into the church each year at uh, Easter Vigil, other occasions? Uh, here again, um, not, not real great. We've had some conversions. Some people have become Catholic because they married a Catholic usually. But as far as just people coming because somebody at St. Max told me about Jesus. Somebody invited me to, uh, to something at the parish and now I want more. I want to become, uh, I want to become Catholic. This is an area where we, where we certainly uh, need to grow. Um, uh, one, another, another sign of health is how long the confession line is. This one's not as intuitive, right? Because you might think that a long confession line would be a, a bad sign because that means there's a lot of sinners in your parish. But actually, that's a really good sign when there's a long line because we're all sinners. The line just illustrates that those are the people who know that they're sinners and they're going to do something about it, namely take their sins to the throne of mercy and leave them there. So I would say uh, here... Uh, you know, we continue to improve. I've added confession times. Um, I'll continue to add confession times. Uh, I've, I've noticed several Sundays I've had to leave the confessional to get ready for mass before uh, the line is done. Uh, that's actually good. I apologize. Uh, 
come earlier next time if that's if that's the case. Um, I'll keep I'll keep uh, trying to make myself available as as long as people keep getting in line. But that's actually a really good sign. I know I know of priests and parishes who, you know, they have confessions once or twice a week, and nobody even goes to those uh, confession times. So that's a good sign. Uh, another another good sign is uh, when you have an adoration chapel that's that's full and uh, 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 long. You know, I know I was a par- I was at a parish in the cities earlier this week, and this parish is several times our size. Um, you know, so many 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 more people in the parish, and they don't even have perpetual adoration. They have it a few hours here and there during the week, which uh, that's that's actually kind of kind of pathetic. Uh, so we have a fraction of that number, and our Adoration Chapel is open almost perpetually. I think there's still room to grow. I would like every single parishioner to have an hour in the Adoration Chapel, and I'll be talking more about that next week. Um, another, another sign, you know, just universally, we all we want to look at this, right? The ratio between baptisms and funerals. Okay, so you can see the number of funerals that we've had this year as we pray for our, our dead. Um, it's about 30 and we've had about 20 baptisms. Obviously, we want that number to, to increase. But I think the, the hope there is that we have a lot of young families. A lot of young families have been moving to the, to the parish. A lot of children. Uh, even the 8 o'clock mass has a lot of children at it now, uh, which is, is beautiful. Uh, I think some of the people there are, are chagrined because they were going to that mass to get away from the children. And... The children just followed them, which is awesome. We're not crying, we're dying. So we, we, they, signs of life, signs of health, signs of hope there. Um, another another uh, sign of health, which I think is not as intuitive, again, but I would say this, is the number of people on a, any given Sunday who don't come to communion. It's actually a really good sign of health, of life, People, and I've noticed that more and more here, people either staying in the pew or coming up to the communion rail and just crossing their arms for a blessing because it says, I know who that is. I know what this is about. And I I know that right now I I can't receive communion. I missed mass. I committed mortal sin. I didn't fast, whatever it is. But I I know that and I have the integrity enough to to refrain until I can get to confession. This is actually a huge, huge um, thing and a real sign of, of life, health, um, I think in all of these things, we could, we could say, well, you know, I'm doing my part, but here I think is the, the, the rub. And this is something that's not a St. Max thing, but something that I see all over the place, maybe the quintessential problem in American religion, is that we tend to treat our faith as consumers, right? What, can, what do I get out of this? And so if I like the music at this place, I'll go there. And if I like this program over here, I'll go there. And if I got to do my, do my Sunday obligation and they have a good mass time and it's, it's convenient and close, then I'll go there. And we can just kind of stop in, take what we need and leave and not really be involved in the parish life. This consumerist mentality. I want to I take us back to the, uh, the image that St. Peter gives us of these spiritual stones. A stone doesn't just get to like pop in and out. You're, you're either in or you're out. A stone doesn't get to say, you know, I, you know, I don't want to be part of a temple. I want to be part of a, a coliseum. So I'm going to go and do that. Or we should just make this into a coliseum. It's like, no, I need to, I need to be invested in what this thing is. And 
as we are those stones, holy and precious in the Lord's sight, I think we have this, uh, this image we can look at and take the, our, our own examination. And we notice anything, you go outside and look at the brickwork on the outside and say, okay, look, every single brick has two bricks beneath it, two bricks above it, and two bricks to the side of it. It's actually a helpful image because I, as a brick in this edifice, am not less or more important than any other brick, and I have a job to do. But I can only do my job if I'm resting on the foundation of the brick beneath me. We can look at this from the global perspective and down to the, to the family unit. We could say, like, I can't be a good priest if I'm not building myself on the bricks beneath me, namely my superiors and leaders, the bishop. If I'm doing something totally other than what the, the bishop wants me to do, uh, what Jesus Christ wants me to do, then I'm, I'm building on the wrong foundation. And I'm, I'm actually at odds with the integrity of the building, which is going to cause fissures and, um, and damage. Right? So too for a parishioner. Am I, am I building on the leadership of the parish, the vision of the parish, the, the, the pastor? Or am I trying to do my own thing? Who am I, who am I resting on? Then, then I got to look at too, as a priest, who am I walking with? Who are the bricks to the sides of me? That's why I live with the companions of Christ. I live with two brother priests and I associate myself with a lot of other brothers so that I can, I can be a, pre, a good priest. Like I can't do it on my own. I need these guys to the side of me so that we together can uh, do our, our, uh, fulfill our mission. So too for you. Who are the bricks beside you? Who are the brothers and sisters in the Lord that you're walking with? We can't do it alone. And we can't just have our, our work friends and our hunting friends and our sports friends and our Boy Scout friends. We actually need our, our Catholic friends that we can share deeply with the faith. And then the, the bricks above us. Uh, I can't, I'm not a good pastor. I'm not a good brick if I'm not supporting those who are also growing in the faith. Namely, and first of all, my parish staff, but then uh, you, my parishioners. And who are the people in your life that you're supporting? Obviously, your, your children, you're, you're encouraging and building them up in the faith. But we should always, as Christian disciples, be encouraging, fostering, and discipling others. It's a temple that's continuing to be built. If we, if we just stop, then the wall is, is faulty. The, the wind and the weather are coming in from the tops. So we want to keep building and building. And so all of those bricks are necessary. And so for, for each of us today on this, our, our feast day, to take spiritual inventory, am I being built on those, those beneath me, those responsible for me, those in charge, the leaders? Am I walking with others and am I supporting others? I'm going to ask, what am I, what am I giving not just what am I, what am I, what am I getting? I don't, I don't get anything out of this as a common consumerist mentality. I don't get anything out of this. Yeah, well, what, am I, what am I giving? We, we come here again to offer worship. That's what we do here. That's what we give here. And we only get in so far as we give. We only get in so far as we give. Because yes, we offer the true and pure worship on this altar. But if the altar of my heart is not also pure, 
If I'm not building, if I'm not offering spiritual worship in my heart, then the worship that I bring here will always be lacking. So what am I giving? How am I serving? How am I serving those around me? How am I building up others? And then with whom am I growing? We can't do it alone. No one brick is more important than any other brick. We need all of them. And once all those bricks are perfectly put together and everything, uh, everything is, is sealed and consecrated, then we have something beautiful to offer to the Lord. And so that every person who walks into this physical building doesn't just see a beautiful church, but they see beautiful people. They see beautiful people who are on fire with the fire of God's love, who are inviting them into something that's transformative and life-giving. That's our prayer today. That's what we want to become, this spiritual temple, this place where God's uh, presence dwells. The more he dwells in our hearts, the more he dwells in our building. Let's ask the Lord for him to rain down his power, his grace, his love on us and our whole community today.